Well, it's great to be back with you after traveling for a couple of weeks. I sure appreciate Corey and Paul filling in for me. Today we're back in the uh, series on Mark. So open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, <clears throat> beginning in verse 1, the art of a receptive heart. Pardon me while I do something for a moment. So what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm sowing seeds of the Word of God. Now, whether or not it takes root in your heart and produces fruit is not up to the Word, not even up to me. It's really up to your receptivity of the Word of God. Let me tell you about a couple of guys in church here today. The names are made up to protect the blessed. Bob's sitting in church today. And man, he is really already engaged in this message. I mean, he has his Bible open. He's got his bulletin to take notes, fill in every blank. And he's not just going to fill in the blanks. He's going to be writing insights along with just the points. And man, he is sitting there saying, yes, Lord, that's a good word. And like, he's nodding every now and then. And, and he's going to say, might even say amen somewhere in the message. Amen. Yeah, see. But just two rows ahead of Bob is Jerry. And Jerry's nodding too. <laughs> he didn't bring a Bible. He didn't pick up a bulletin. He keeps looking at his watch, you know, just saying, when is this going to be over? And he knows there's this guy up here talking, but to him it's just kind of like, wah, 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 wah. And see, I, I'm talking about Jerry right now, and he doesn't even know I'm talking about him because... Because he's not tuned in. There's a couple of teenage girls here, Emily and Hannah. They're both going into their senior year when school is over this May. And uh, uh, Emily is really excited about hearing a message from the Word of God. She's got her smartphone to her Bible app. She's going to be following along with the Scripture and she really wants to know, God, I need to know what's your plan for my life? What, what do you want me to do in the future? You know, I'm going into my senior year. I'm going to have to make some very important decisions. So God, really speak to my heart. But just two seats down, there's Hannah. And she has her smartphone out too. But it doesn't have the Bible app. In fact, she's sitting there texting her friends. She's scrolling through TikTok and Instagram you know, just, she's just not even engaged at all. Now, how can that happen? Those four people in the same service hearing the same Word of God, some are receiving it and others just aren't. How can that happen? Well, Jesus answers that question in this very classic parable that He tells. In fact, this is one of the few parables of Jesus that appear in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so we're going to read about it here, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 4, verse 1. If you're able and willing to stand, please do so as we read the Word of God. Again, he, that is Jesus, began to teach by the sea, that's the freshwater lake Gennesaret, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down while the whole crowd was at by the sea on the shore. What a beautiful picture to imagine that. He taught them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, he loved to tell stories. Listen, 
Consider the sower who went out to sow. And as he sowed, or meaning planted seeds, some seed fell among, along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. And then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear Listen, now if he had stopped there, we would have had to sort of figure out what was he talking about. But keep reading. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. He answered them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive, they may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise... They might turn back and be forgiven. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? And then he gives them a freebie, the key to understanding it. The sower sows the word, meaning the word of God. Some, and he's not talking about dirt, some people are like the words sown on the path. When they hear, immediately, Satan comes and takes away the words sown in them. And others are like the seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. And when distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seed sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And then notice he mentions three things. But the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth... And the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, unless you've never been to church before or Bible study, you're probably familiar with this parable. But the exciting thing about this parable that we just read from Jesus that he spoke 2,000 years ago is that over the next 20 minutes or so, this parable is going to be played out right here in this room and, uh, and on the live stream. In other words, uh, as I plant the seed of the Word of God, some of you here today are going to receive it, and it's going to find fertile soil in your heart, and you're going to become fruitful. And that's the whole point. Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And the, what, what, what is the fruit of the Christian life? Well, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's just the personality of Jesus. So the, the point of all of this is fruitfulness. Now, when I started studying this parable back in my 20s, I was thinking, okay, here's a guy that's got a hard heart. Or this, is a, this is a crowded heart. But I've come to understand that really all of us, at least I do, sometimes my own heart displays different qualities or levels of receptivity. My friend and mentor, Ray Stedman, wrote this about the parable before he went to heaven. 
I used to read the story as though these various souls were four different kind of people who remain the same all through their lifetimes. But I've come to see that what our Lord is describing here is not four types of persons so much, but conditions of our heart at any given moment. Whenever the word is being taught, people are in one condition or another. We've all been callous at times. We've all been impulsive in our reaction, emotional and shallow. We've all been overly worried about other matters. And we have, <clears throat> have all had times of being open and responsive to the word. The question is, how are we receiving God's word at this moment? That's what really matters. So today, as we share and plant the fertile seed of the Word of God, how are you going to receive it? Well, this is a very, very simple message because, I mean, we're just going to talk about wrong ways to receive God's Word, and then we're going to talk about the right way to receive God's Word, okay? So number one, what about the wrong way to receive God's Word? The wrong way to receive God's Word, and Jesus talked about people, they, they indeed look, but they don't perceive, they listen they don't understand. And, and he told the story of a picture that everybody in his audience would have, would have seen many, many times. You know, back in those days, uh, a farmer would have a sack of seed by his side slung, slung over his shoulder and would walk out into a field and he would just broadcast the seed and broadcast the seed. And Jesus said, you know, some of them, the seed's going to land on a path. Some's going to land on shallow ground. Others going to land in a briar patch. But some of it is going to land on good soil. And, you know, here's what he's saying. You know, if it's a 30-fold return on the seed, that's, that's a poor crop. You're not going to make it. That's a very poor return. Now, if it's a 60-fold return, that's, that's pretty good. That you're, you're going to make it. You're going to pay for your seed and, and feed your family. But if it is a 100-fold return, that is a miraculous return, a bumper crop. Of course, his desire, God's desire for each of us is that we would be, have much fruit in our life, that we would bear much fruit to the glory of God. So what are some wrong ways to receive the word of God? Number one, a hard heart where the word is stolen. As I said, the farmer is broadcasting the seed. They had hard pathways that would lead to the fields and through the fields. And any seed falling on that would just sit there without being put underneath the surface of the soil. And the birds, you can picture this, can't you? The birds just flocking down to, to eat it. My wife, she has about seven or eight bird feeders in our backyard, and, and that's what she puts in it, seed that she orders and uh, refills it all the time And because that, that's what birds eat. Now, the amazing thing is Jesus quit talking about metaphors, and he talked about reality, and he said that's what happens when the Word of God is shared Listen to this, Satan, now that Satan's not a metaphor, Satan is real. The bird's the metaphor, the seed's the metaphor. The Word of God is real and Satan is real. And here's what Jesus says is happening at this very moment. As I'm sharing the Word of God with you, Satan and his demons are doing their best to steal it away from you, to take it out of your heart, to take it away from your mind. You say, well, how does he do that? Well, I mean, he's a sinister minister of fear and distraction, and he'll use distractions. Uh, I mean, have you ever been in a worship service and the preacher's preaching and like somebody gets up and goes to the bathroom and, and I mean, the devil didn't make him go to the bathroom, but if you stop and look and say, why are they going to the bathroom? Can't they wait till the service is over? 
all of a sudden you've just kind of, some of the words been stolen. Or baby starts screaming or something. You know, and when a baby screams in the service, I'm bothering them a whole lot more than they're bothering me. <laughs> I've, I've learned to resist all distractions. But if it distracts you, the ba- devil didn't make the baby cry. But if it distracts you, the devil will use that. Or, or sometimes he'll just make your mind wander. I mean, have you ever been in a, a service? I know I have in the past. And then suddenly a thought comes into your mind and then it leads to another thought, leads to another thought. And then you say, how in the world do I get over here? And you just kind of missed what's... The devil will try to use distractions to steal the Word of God away. I can, you know, through the years, I can't tell you how many kind of weird things have happened to sort of distract the audience. I mean, I was preaching at Green Acres one Sunday in our worship center, and a light from the ceiling fell. Fortunately, it landed in an aisle. I mean, one time I was preaching, and a wasp tried to fly up my nose. Sound system's going wrong. This light's going out. The devil will use anything to distract you, say, so pay attention. Second kind of wrong way to hear is a shallow heart where the word is starved. This is a seed that is planted, and it starts to grow. The plant protrudes out of the ground, but there's no roots because it's shallow, rocky soil. This represents a person, Jesus said, who hears the word with joy. In other words, they're emotional about it. It's like, here you are on Sunday. You're hearing the word and you're saying, oh, yeah, amen. But by Tuesday or Wednesday, it's not amen anymore. It's oh, my. And you've forgotten it. And Jesus said that it's like the heat of the sun. And what is it? He said it's trouble and persecution that comes along. Now, this is basically somebody who really comes to church for an emotional fix. Now, you know what, folks, when I worship the Lord and when I fellowship with other believers, it makes me happy. It gives me joy. And that's a wonderful emotion. But if all you do is come to church for an emotion, for your little emotional fix, you'll be disappointed uh, because emotions aren't always there. And I want to tell you that your emotions are the most shallow part of your soul. Someone has said that your soul is composed of your, your will, your mind, and your emotions. I think the deepest part of your soul is your will. What you choose to do because God says to do it, whether you feel like it or even understand it or not, you choose to obey God. I think the next deepest part of your soul is your mind. And it needs to be a mind that is is the mind of Christ, not conformed to this world, but renewed by Jesus. And then you come to the kind of the point of the wedge, and that's your emotions. And if you're depending on emotions, uh, you'll be... uh, disappointed most of the time uh some of you folks my age or older remember when they used to advertise on tv the the product alka-seltzer who who remembers alka-seltzer i mean you kids you're saying what anyway it it was like two tablets that you dropped in a glass of water and what what would they do i mean just effervescent bubble 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 and then it was just that and when the bubble you know the Fizzing was over, then you drink the water. It's supposed to help you with heartburn. Now they have Alka-Seltzer cold medicine, all that. I know a lot of people I call Alka-Seltzer Christians. You know, they go to church and they get, and it just kind of settles down to nothing. That's because they're depending on their emotions, and emotions are so shallow. Here's the third wrong way to hear the Word of God. A crowded heart 
where the Word is strangled. Now, these are people who love the Word, and I mean, it takes root in their heart, and they want to be fruitful. But the problem, Jesus said, and there's, there's too much competition, too many things in their life. And he mentioned three things that will choke or strangle the Word of God, the worries of this world. By the way, our English word worry comes from the German word worgen, which means to strangle. And so he, here's a picture of a Christian who's in church on Sunday, really receiving the Word, but they're just involved in so many other activities and things in their life during the week that it's like there's no fruit because there are all these thorns, activities and things choking it out. And worry. You know, I've said before, I, I really believe worry is the most prevalent sin among Christians. Not lying, not sexual sin, not stealing. I think worry is the most prevalent sin among Christians. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, do not worry. He says it three times, do not worry. Uh, God takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. He'll take care of you, so don't you worry. And so, my friend, every time you worry, what you're saying is, God, you are a liar. Because you're saying, God, I don't believe I can trust you with this problem. And God has already said that, you know, all things are going to work together for good for those who love me and are called to my purpose. And when you worry, you try to take control of that situation. See, every situation you face, you're either going to grab by the handle of worry and fear or the handle of faith. And you can't grab both of them at the same time. I love the story about old Tom. He was a terrible worrier. Everybody knew him as a worry wart. I mean, when he went to work during the week, his shoulders were slumped over, his brow was always furred, and everybody knew he not only worried about his stuff, he worried about other people's stuff. But one Monday, Tom showed up for work, and he had a smile on his face and spring to his step. And his co-worker said, hey, Tom, man, you don't seem worried today. And Tom said, I'm not. He said, well, what happened? He said, well, I did something wonderful this weekend. I hired a man to worry for me. So I don't worry about anything. He worries about it for me. So his co-worker said, Tom, that's great. How much are you paying him? Tom said, I'm paying him $60,000 a year. And his co-worker said, Tom, wait a minute, you don't make that much money. How are you going to pay him? Tom said, that's not my worry, that's his. <laughs> don't you wish you had somebody to worry for you? You do. Because the Bible says, cast your what? Cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And the other thing that chokes out the fruitfulness of your life is the deceitfulness of riches. You know, the Bible doesn't say there's anything wrong with money, but it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. <laughs> I always laugh when I say that because my college roommate, one of his very first sermons he preached, he preached a whole sermon on money is the root of all evil. The whole sermon until you know, one nice little lady came up to him after the service and said, Sonny, it's the love of money. Uh-oh. <laughs> Wasted his first sermon. So what is the deceitfulness of riches? I'll tell you. Riches sneaks up to you and whispers in your ear, you need more of me. More, 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 more. You need more of me, and if you get enough of me, you'll be happy. Do anything you can. Get more, 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 more of me, and then you'll be happy. Then you'll be happy. Get more of me. That's the deceitfulness of riches. 
You know, some of the most miserable people I've ever met are some of the richest people I've ever met. Do you know that? And everybody says, I want to win the lottery. Got to win the lottery. Did you know that 40% of people who won the lottery have actually declared bankruptcy within five years of winning a lottery? I saw that, that doesn't make you happy. That's, those are the things Jesus said that choke out your fruitfulness. Now, quickly, let's go to the right way to receive the word of God. There's a wrong way that he just talked about and a right way. And, it, and there's not really four different ways, although he gave four, four soil types. There's really only two. There's the unfruitful, those three examples. Then there's a fruitful result. And by the way, did you know most of the soil on planet Earth is not naturally fertile? Some parts of the world, like river deltas, where there's some volcanic ash, they're naturally fertile. But you know, most of the ground, especially any of you that have done any farming, you've got to prepare the soil if you want a crop. I mean, you've got to fertilize it, plow it, move the trees, move the rock. It's got to be prepared. And that's why the Bible says in the Old Testament, plow up that fallow ground. In other words, there are some things you can do to make your heart and life fertile and fruitful. Let's mention four of them, okay? Number one, hear God's word attentively. Hear God's word attentively. So what's the difference between Bob and Jerry and Emily and Hannah? Well, Bob and Emily, they, they were tuning in. They were paying attention to the word of God. And Jerry and Hannah, they, they're just not paying attention. They don't care. You know, there's something called passive listening. And there's something called active listening. All right, here's passive listening. You, you go to your house and just switch on the TV and you're not paying any attention to it. It's just, just playing, all right? Just because you want some noise. Let me give you a great example of active listening because I've seen this happen a number of times with families in the hospital. You or a family member just had a surgery or a biopsy and the doctor comes in to give you the report. You are going to pay attention to what this doctor says because it has to do with your health or the health of someone you love, you're probably going to write it down. You're going to pay close attention to what they say. That's how we should listen to the Word of God because what you hear when your Word of God is taught has eternal impact on your life and the life of others. That's why, by the way, through the years, I have always taken notes on sermons. I mean, I've heard millions of sermons, I feel like. I have 12 notebooks in my study at home of sermon notes I've taken through the years of hearing other preachers. And, and it's been proven that if you write down something, you're going to remember 40% of it. If you only listen to something, you're only going to retain 10% of it. I like what Albert Einstein said. Albert Einstein, that brilliant physicist, said, a short pencil is better than a long memory. So pay attention to the Word of God. Number two, memorize God's word consistently. That is a real key to put parts of God's word to memory. I mean, most of you probably know John three sixteen, but I encourage you that as long as you live, keep memorizing scripture. Now, I started this in college with like a navigator program where these little flashcards, uh, and I would memorize hundreds and hundreds of scriptures. And I, I can still recall those. Uh, I would be when I would be driving back and forth to a church I was serving in college, I would be quoting those verses out loud. I mean, 
you know, I could pull up to a red light and somebody would look at me and I'm over here talking. And that was long before cell phones and they were probably thinking I was crazy. But just for the fun of it, I would also quote these Bible verses like in a, with a different foreign accent or something. Like I say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew also and also to the Greek. Romans 1, 16. So, you know, you know why it's important to memorize Scripture? Because it's important to meditate on Scripture. It says in Psalms chapter 1 that one of the qualities of a blessed person is in his law he meditates day and night. And so what that means is you really have to have Scripture memorized to meditate on it. Like at night, I sleep really well, but if I ever wake up at night and take a moment to go back to sleep, I'm just going to meditate on a verse of Scripture. And if you have it memorized, you can choose a whole different lot of ones to meditate on. So you hear attentively, you memorize consistently, you obey God's word immediately. So what's the difference between all of these soil types? One is fruitful and one is unfruitful. And the only way we are fruitful is by obeying what God tells us to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So you know, he said something about he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, he wasn't talking about just this cartilage on the side of your head that kind of acts like a horn to kind of funnel sound in. He's talking about really listening. Everybody here, I think, has ears. I don't see anybody without ears. But not everybody is truly hearing what God is saying. Here's what James, the half-brother of Jesus, had to write about that. James 1.22 but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. Notice that was masculine. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. I, you know, this is one of those examples where I think that James was correct in saying this is a guy. Because you know what, women, y'all know how to use mirrors. I mean, my wife has this magnifying mirror that lights up. I've looked in it a few times and I didn't like what I saw. I mean, every flaw is just magnified, but she uses it every day. That's amazing. I think James was right. You know how most guys look at a mirror? Am I dressed? You know, this actually happened to me truthfully one time. I, <clears throat> over at the church in Tyler, uh, in my office, I had a, a bathroom, so I would often work out in the mornings, go over there and shower and shave before I started seeing people. And, and one particular morning, I was shaving in my bathroom at the church, and I, as I was cleaning up, I noticed I left a big old glob of shaving cream right here. And I said, well, I need to get that off. And then my phone rang. I'm talking on the phone, forgot all about the glob of shaving cream. I go out and I'm sitting down. I'm talking to this couple who'd come to see me that morning. I thought it was kind of strange. They wouldn't look me in the eye. They just kind of kept <laughs> looking over there at my left ear. And then when they left, I went out and my, my assistant, Jennifer, she said, what's that on your head? And she was nice enough to tell me to get rid of it. This is exactly what this is talking about. Sometimes this is like a mirror and you look in it and God says, I want you to change something in your life. I want you to add something to your life, and then you walk away from it, and you forget all about it. That's why it's important to obey the Lord. Remember what God told, uh, the prophet Samuel told King Saul? 
when Saul said, I've got all this livestock I stole to offer it as a sacrifice to God, he says, to obey is better than sacrifice. So obey God's word immediately. Then finally, number four, spread God's word continually. Spread God's word continually. Remember when we talk about our acts of kindness uh, in April? That's what we're doing. Whenever you perform those acts of kindness in Jesus' name, you're planting seeds of the gospel. So in this parable, I want you to change your mindset from being a type of soil. And I want you to change your mindset to become the farmer. I want you to be the one who says, you know what? I'm going to be actively spreading, planting seeds of the gospel. And that's biblical because Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. In other words, for everybody who comes to faith in Christ, it's a, it's a team effort. You can plant some seeds and somebody else will come along and water those seeds. But it's always God who gives the increase. And there is great, great power in the Word of God. Now, I've taken a sabbatical from social media. But back when I did post on Facebook and Instagram, I would often simply post a, a scripture, a word of God. So for those of you that are still on social media, do that every day or several times. Just take a, word, a scripture and just post it. And whoever reads it, you are planting seeds of the gospel because people are out there scrolling through all the social media platforms. That's just one simple way to do that. And every time somebody sees it, you're planting a seed. So how powerful is the word of God? Let me tell you two stories we finish. In Zimbabwe, there was a pastor by the name of Gaylord Kambarami very famous. He's also the general secretary of the Bible Society. Years ago, he was at a train station in Zimbabwe passing out New Testaments. And there was a Muslim man that came up to him and was very disgruntled, belligerent, said, no, I don't believe the Bible. I'm not going to take your New Testament. And Dr. Kambarambi said, please take this. The guy said, well, I'll take it, but I'm not going to read it. In other words, I'm just going to take the pages out and roll them up to make cigarettes. And Dr. Kambarambi said, okay, you do that, but promise me that before you smoke the page, you'll read what it says on the page. And left him. Our fast forward about seven or eight years later, Dr. Kambarami is at this Christian conference, and there's this evangelist up there preaching away. And when the service is over, this evangelist comes down and sees Dr. Kambarami and says, do you remember me? And he says, no. He said, I'm the man that you gave the New Testament to that I said I was going to smoke the pages. And here is his testimony. The evangelist said, I smoked Matthew, I smoked Mark, then I smoked Luke. But when I got to John 3, 16, I couldn't smoke anymore. Jesus changed my life from that moment. My friend, that is the power of the Word of God. Let's pray. If you're here in the room or watching on live stream and you've never received Jesus as your Savior I'd love to lead you in a prayer of faith where you can do that. Uh, basically, you just have to know that you have a need and that you can't save yourself. And then you can sincerely but silently pray a prayer like this after me. Dear God, I admit I'm a sinner. I'll never be good enough to save myself. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to die in my place. I believe you wrote, raised him from the dead. Right now, Jesus, come take control of my life. Live in me and forgive my sins. I will live for you forever. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.